0: Is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast, aka the podcast in which I, Fiona Grayson, sit down for a chat with female founders in their teens, 20s and 30s dotted all over the UK and ask them to open up to me about absolutely everything they've been through, both in front of and behind the scenes. The good, the bad and at times oh so ridiculously challenging to get to where they are with their businesses today. In this week's episode, I paid a visit to Bybee HQ. In London, to sit down for a chat with the beauty brand's commendable co founders, that are Dominika Minerovic and Elsie Rutherford. Having first met at work, the former colleagues' shared interest in wellness led to the market leading blog on all things clean beauty, that is Clean Beauty Insiders. Clean Beauty Insiders led to a book deal with Penguin in 2017, and soon after, post training in how to formulate and securing a virgin startup loan each, that is. Vibe was born, the 100% natural, cruelty-free, vegan and sustainable beauty brand that is taking the clean beauty space by storm. Over coffees in their shared office space in London towards the end of last year, the three of us sat down to discuss everything from why, as a young, agile startup, they're not afraid to push back on industry norms, and how that's helped to cement Vibe as a market leader in the clean beauty space. We also discussed what their journey from novice co-founders seeking a startup loan to fundraising pros who've gone on to raise SEIS investment and two subsequent rounds of funding from VCs looked like and felt like in reality behind the scenes. Plus, the challenges of managing and sustaining a team who are as passionate about the business as they are, the never-ending challenges of managing supply and demand, as well as how they deal with rejection on a daily basis as founders, be it from customers, investors and or retailers alike, are all topics that come up for discussion too. To say that these two are ambitious is an understatement with plans to become the leading beauty brand in the market going forward. They are the perfect antidote to the winter blues, in my opinion, should you find yourself lacking motivation and or self-belief, wherever you might be listening to this episode from today. As always, I really hope you enjoy it. Right, where
1: should
0: we start? Do you want to just go through what your business is about in your own words and then we'll ramble from there? Sure oh, yes. so, <laughs> so I'm Elsie I'm Dominika well.
2: <laughs> We're the co-founders of Bybee um, So Bybee is a natural, vegan and sustainable skincare brand We're based here in London We've been going since August 2017 Prior to that the two of us were running a content platform called Clean Beauty Insiders
0: Amazing So I'm guessing from what I gather is that the blog Can we call it that? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that started the brand so you kind of laid some groundwork, and it went from there yes let's go back to the beginning then from like clean beauty insiders what inspired you both to start that yeah
1: so we were working together and this was kind of 2014-2015 when um, wellness and fitness and and kind of just general healthy living came to the forefront of instagram mm. our phones <laughs> um, and we were really kind of enjoying you know yeah taking control of our fitness and really understanding food and what that did for our bodies same time you know we were massive beauty junkies and going out and spending hundreds of pounds on our beauty products Um, and there was a kind of collision of the two because we were so consumed with you know how we were taking care of ourselves but then we're slathering products all over our bodies um, Mm. on our biggest organ and we just literally had no idea what was in it and I think the roots of Clean Beauty Insiders was all about making your own skincare using a lot of food-based ingredients and that really came from kind of like pivoting and not really really being able to find products that cater to our needs as consumers, so then we were like, we're already in the kitchen, you know, making our smoothies, can we literally apply those to our face and get some benefits, mm. um, and we definitely came at DIY skincare from a vanity perspective, we were like, well, what's going to give us great skin, yeah. is this, like, serum, you know, it says it's got vitamin C, does it really, how much of it is, you know, how much of it affects is that having on my skin? Whereas when we then switch to using kind of raw, unprocessed ingredients, we just saw such an immediate benefit because if you think about it, it makes no much sense why extract a natural ingredient, heat it, mix it with other things, preserve it, and put it on a shelf for three years when you've got all of those nutrients in your fridge. Mm. So. Um, it was a great, you know, experimentation phase for us, and, and I think the way that we were communicating that content was quite relevant for the time as well. So we were quite quickly able to build up a great community. Um, we started running workshops. You know, we had a book published. We were running a festival. You know, we were doing all sorts of stuff under this kind of umbrella of natural beauty and clean beauty insiders.
0: It's right, so easy to kind of say we were doing. We had a book published. We did all these festivals. I mean, mm-hmm. even like that book published, just that on its own, I could talk to you about that all day. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like the process to get a book published is, is huge. So I'm really interested in the kind of, if we're sticking with clean beauty for just a bit, like how did you grow that? Was it a, t- a kind of consistency, perseverance? Like how quickly did you see it take off?
1: Yeah, I think consistency is key when you're trying to build any sort of community. So like daily posting sharing a lot of like really rich engaging content as well not necessarily just you know sharing pics of us so yeah, yeah. on instagram you know there was a lot of weight to what we were saying I and mean, we tried to be provocative and share content that was really valuable for our audience um, so it, it did grow quickly i mean it's still a modest audience if you think about how relevant like DIY skincare is to the mainstream consumer it's not that relevant so you know it's always a, a slightly niche like topic but i think we were able to ride the wave of the food movement and mm. really easily speak to people that were interested in that.
0: How, how did you split the balance?
2: Who did what? Well we were working together in advertising, that's how we met. So we joined the same company at the same time and I think that's quite important to our story because we were work colleagues like first and foremost so whilst we became great friends and are great friends we've always had a professionalism to our relationship which has been quite important then as we've become business partners because we were really understanding of each other's work ethic and how each other were in the workplace. Which is so important. It really is, yeah. So that's how we met. So in the early days, so right up until all the way through getting the book published, right up until September 2016, we were holding down full-time jobs alongside doing all of this. So we wrote the book while we were still in full-time jobs. And at that point, splitting things was like who's busier this week in their day job you know who who can't get out of who can't pretend they're going to a meeting (laughs) but really (laughs) actually (laughs) yeah exactly so it was kind of split that way so one of us would be like I'm very sorry but I've got a super busy week of work this week like and the other would be like don't worry like I'll pick up on the posting or you know I'll write that chapter but things we've got like fairly similar skill sets and fairly similar experience in that we have both come from sales backgrounds so it's not like we were like wildly different brains at all which is great because we we often think the same things. Mm. so often we split by like just fairness just yeah it's, it's kind of been and especially back then when it was like neither of us was more expert than the other in writing a blog about community because we've never done it before yeah. writing a book because we would never done it before running an instagram channel we've never done it before so for us it was just like We used to do day-on, day-off hosting, so it would be, yeah, my turn, then Don's turn, then my turn, then Don's turn. so
0: good. Just in
2: a way that felt really, like, fair and, like, we were both, like, involved and invested and splitting things as equally as possible. Mm. Um, It's really
0: interesting, though, because I've interviewed a few co-founders, and normally their skill sets are wildly different, and that's what bonds them, in that they, like, one person's, like, the kind of accounting logistics head and the other one's really, really creative. So it's really interesting that you've kind of got the same... Yeah, skillset, I think yeah. because we
2: met and work in the same role, we've got like similar experience in our early parts of our career up until when we started this. You know, we were doing quite similar things. So yeah. I guess you you build a, a similar skill set in that yeah. respect. You know, like we are very different in many ways as well, and we've spent a lot of time like figuring out who then looks after bits of the business over the other. But that hasn't come naturally, like. We didn't naturally come in and say, yes, I will be yeah. like head of ops or whatever, because again, we just never done I it before. But that's the thing, you
0: have to figure it out, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah. so, so true. Okay, so let's talk the actual brand then. I guess there's one thing thinking about launching a beauty brand, and it's like a whole different ballgame actually getting off the ground, and I think with beauty especially... There's so many loopholes that you've got to think about and processes before you can sell something like that to the public. So where did you start? I, I'm always interested in the baby steps with those kind of things.
1: I would say the one advantage that we had prior to launching Bybee was we had been running Beauty Insiders for a number of years at that point, and through that process we learned how to formulate. We learn all about EU regulation. Um, we just we had a base level of understanding that when we came to launch by we weren't complete novices Mm in terms of we had no idea what it took to create a product and bring it to market so that is a kind of a unique pool of knowledge that most people wouldn't have before they launch a brand and what ends up happening is people outsource that straight away and therefore never really gain that knowledge whereas you know if you said to us i want to put this product up we could literally walk you through the steps and that's quite a unique kind of knowledge pool to have and what it enables you to do is launch things really quickly so even now we still do some small batch manufacturing because we have that knowledge Mm -hmm. whereas if you go to a founder that has never even been stepped foot in a manufacturing plant, they will just have no idea about the logistics of just creating product and getting it on Mm -hmm. shelf so that was just a by nature of us already having kind of like worked or been immersed in the beauty industry for a number of years but we had never worked in beauty, you know, we'd never, we didn't have jobs at L'Oreal or whatever and people are really surprised by that and there's a, there's a dual kind of benefit and difficulty with that in that, you know, we are quite naive and we were very naive when we started so we would just demand things of people and they would be like, you're absolutely mad like, that's (laughs) not the way things go Like what? But how fast people could do things, you know, bending, you know, not regulation, but just pushing things through primarily for speed um, or innovation. And most of the time, you know, we got pushback, but where we didn't, we were then changing norms and we were challenging the, the process that could be quite
0: outdated. yeah so, you say that on the website the fact that it's you're kind of shaking things up so in t- let, like, let's roll with that for a bit what is it it's, because there's so many brands I guess right now that are kind of going down this whole ethical business and Everything that's good for you, you know? what's the word I'm going for?
2: Like, yeah, no ethical yes. makes sense. Well, there's, there's
0: the kind of, like,
2: we play in the natural space, we also play in the sustainable space. Yes, exactly, um, my mind's on Yeah. <laughs> but, like, in,
0: in terms of shaping things up, like, how did you go about really getting that message
2: across? So I think where we see ourselves as disrupting or challenging, the industry norms probably falls into a, a couple of brackets. So everything we're doing around sustainability, but maybe that's a different point in itself because actually back two years ago it wasn't that wasn't so much yeah um, it's really kind of
0: pushed yeah it has and
2: it's grown with the brand as well as a value and um, we were we started out and sustainability always been a part of the brand but actually it's we've become more passionate about it ourselves and also we've seen a rising consumer awareness it's become a you know a value that's sort of like grown so that we do a lot with that but I would say around our kind of like MPD process and speed to market so from the outset, we spent all of this time in our kitchens and, and our formulation skills could, sort of went from avocado and olive oil and, and grew, you know, we, we started to get experience. We then trained, we both trained skincare formulators. And whilst we're not chemists, we've got a really clear idea of the types of products that we want to bring to market with Bybee and the types of ingredients that we want to work with. So, the traditional way of working with a manufacturing beauty is the brand briefs out the manufacturer. I'd like a face cream, um, I'd like it to smell like lavender, I'd like it to be white, and um, I need it for. X cost. The manufacturer goes and works on it themselves. They then submit that back to the brand and the brand sign it off. So the brands typically, whilst they brief, they don't have any input on the formulation, on that feedback process. Mm. Um, they won't be developing it themselves in any kind of lab. That's typically how it works. So sometimes they don't even own that and it can be white labelled so other brands can have that exact same lavender cream. That was everything that we were frustrated about within the industry. Yes, it's mad. It does, and it's just stupid. Like you're just buying the same thing oh, lo and behold, water is the top of every single ingredient list that you find because it's cheap, but it doesn't do anything to your skin. So we wanted to create products that really work. And to do that, we had to use like really great ingredients in a certain way with much less water, whole process, unprocessed, that were really going to like help our skin be healthy, basically. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you would eat good food to kind of nourish. So we wanted to own that process. So that in itself was changing the way that manufacturers were used to working with brands. So we would come to them with a finished formula, you know, we've had a chemist pretty much since day one. We've got a, a lab that we work from in West London as well. That firstly, they were just like, what, what? Like, mind boggled, like, we can't, we've got a chemist, we want to do this, mm-hmm. but what? And we were just like, we've been insistent since day one, if you want to work with us, this is the way that you will work with us. We want to say where the ingredients are sourced from because we want to have a view as to how those ingredients are being sourced. Again, that's very, very unusual. So, you know, that from the beginning, and then not only that, but we were saying, we know that we want to get this to market in three months, you know? So, and they were saying, no way, that it's going to take you a year. So we've pushed a lot on timescales because the manufacturing works very, they're like, plod along, it's yeah. all very That's what of, I've heard
0: about beauty. Like yeah. It just takes so, there's yeah. so much testing, there's so much back and forth. Yeah,
2: and then you think about, if you haven't, as a brand, been involved in that, that formulation process, mm. think about the amount of back and forth between the brand and the manufacturer that goes on. Because the first thing you see is something that you haven't had any visibility over, and then it's like oh and then that has to be tested with the team because no one's even seen it before and that takes weeks and weeks and weeks and then you give it back and you give your feedback and that takes weeks and weeks and we just cut all of that by doing it in-house so our chemist formulates everything the whole team try it we have a panel of people that try it as well so so much of that work we can control the timelines over and we've just like shrunk our <laughs> our speed to market basically but that is unusual not not many beauty brands work that way it's amazing
0: was that comfortable hats to wear for you both like pushing back like that and You're quite happy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes
1: you've just got to, yeah, you have to feel comfortable putting pressure on these guys because also like all of these industries, I'm sure a lot of other consumer goods are the same. Like it's just so backward, and you know we're young, agile, innovative startup. Like we need to be pushing these guys to step up their game a little bit because you know hopefully soon we will be quite a significant size that you know will start to be one of their top customers. And yeah, it's just good that for
0: us to keep challenging the norms. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about your approach to branding because what I love about YB is how colorful it is. And I think like, especially it's so tempting, I suppose for brands, if they're doing this ethical, natural thing to go down the kind of clean like (laughs) neutral branding thing so how how did you approach that what was your thought process is that again shaking it up
2: yeah because we didn't engage with that as beauty consumers because we felt like when we were trying to find an ethical skincare brand when we didn't have time to like be whipping it up ourselves in the kitchen it was either really expensive and the branding was like very minimal and very like either green or white and You know, minimal is lovely, but it didn't particularly speak to us as beauty consumers. It felt more like a lifestyle kind of you know standing for a lifestyle rather than actually like you know this is great skincare that's really engaging and relevant and interesting or it was on the flip side of that we'd have to go to Holland and Barrett and it would be in like a brown like jar and very like nuts and berries we call it like you know like very alternative yeah exactly earthy is the word (laughs) and you know that again like that does you just don't engage with that as a beauty consumer so we wanted to to bring something to market that felt fresh and, and vibrant and interesting and, and could, when sat on shelf, which has really helped us when we've expanded into retail, could really pop. You yeah, know, and could, it really does. Yeah, yes, and yeah. just grab that consumer's attention. Yeah. And
0: did you outsource that? Or how much, how much input did you have in that? Lots, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it looks good. And what about, like, in terms of, I'm just thinking from anyone listening to this, alarm bells ring when all of this, like, process, how much goes into it costs. And so how have you approached funding from the very early days?
1: Yeah, I mean it does. It does take a lot of resource to launch a beauty brand and then to continue marketing it mm. and cutting through the noise. And so products and everything. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a continual process. You can't just launch a product and then sit back yeah. and watch it sell. Unfortunately, <laughs> and almost the hardest part is once your product is in store and online, that's where the real work begins. So if you think about how much goes on before that even happens, yeah, yeah it, it does require money to get off the ground so the first thing that we did was got a virgin startup loan which is phenomenal and highly recommend you know any Early stage entrepreneurs to look into the program. It's, it's essentially a personal loan that lended against a business concept, so you can be pre launch, you know, very early stage. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get the full amount because we had already built up, you know, quite a substantial business case. Yeah. I'm yeah. yeah. um, sure so we got 25k Oh, each. really? Yeah. That's so good. Um, and 50k, you know, to, to get off the ground, you know, you can buy your first kind of packaging and get your first product out. So it was a really good kind of jumping point for us. And because we already had the book and, and so much when we went. To virgin, you know, it was quite an easy process, which is great. But what it does in the very early stages is make you put together a cash flow forecast and business plan and, and put that puts that rigor in as well, which is great. And we then about nine months later, we closed a pre-seed kind of friends and family on um, SEIS raised. So that was just dipping into our network and for you know people that were willing to support us and take yeah. advantage of SEIS. Um
0: which I literally I'm going through that process now. So it's the tax yes what's the word i'm going for Um, yeah yeah yeah. so kind of for investors it's such an attractive proposal isn't it yeah definitely and
1: 150k you know it's a lot of money but you can make that up quite quickly if you you know if you have a pool of people that will give you 10, 20K and then that starts to accumulate so that was really the, the point where we kind of launched 5e I would say prior to that it was still very kind of like pre launch working through the branding speaking to retailers and at that point when we closed that Pre-seek round, it was like okay, let's Game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah let's start to floor it a little bit. Um, I love that. Was it
0: that kind of a, a going to friends and family? How comfortable was that? And in terms of working out what, what you're willing to like percentages to give away, it's so easy to kind of talk about funding, but like actually the reality, there's a lot to think about, isn't there? So how did you approach that?
2: Yeah, I think you know back then. So we've subsequently gone through two more rounds of funding and um, so we've just kind of closed a bridge and we'll go into our series A next year so the sums of money that we're raising are much larger mm-hmm. and we're much more comfortable operating in the space of uh, finance now you know we can talk the talk we've met because it's so alien at the beginning yeah it is especially if you don't come from that background Mm. but actually the friends and family round kind of eases you in if you are going to put yourself on a path of equity fundraising which is kind of what we identified we would do early on then you know you do need to be comfortable with meeting investors and understanding the kind of ins and outs and the friends and family round sort of eases you into that because you have a bit of exposure but The people that you're speaking to aren't speaking too much of the the jargon. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that helps a little bit. You know, back then, and when you're in we're pretty you know, pre-launched really when you're in that stage your valuation will dictate how much you give away and valuation is very finger in the air Yeah. so we just said how much we want to give away and then worked out our valuation on that yeah. which isn't like the maths and science well, behind it's how it bad, it's done later <laughs> on that's
0: absolutely though like you try and type in how do you value yeah. and it's like everyone has a different idea so it's finger in the air 100% yeah definitely and it's not
2: until actually much later on when they start looking at multiple of revenue you can still kind of wing it as like this is the dream this is the thought and buy into that and value us on that sort of thing which yeah we we did so that's how we navigated that we're both from sales backgrounds so negotiation isn't alien to us which is a useful skill to have and then whoever kind of puts themselves forward to lead that round which is typically what will happen the person putting in the most will then say I'll kind of work with you on your term sheet or whatever so you you probably have like a leader of that that group of people Mm -hmm. um, and you negotiate with them and then once you've got your valuation sorted with them you understand how much you're giving away and then that kind of filters down to everybody else so again if they're nice and if they're like a friends and family in that process is a little bit easier than you know we then when we got further down the line in our funding it wasn't a person leading around anymore it was a VC so that becomes a bit more kind of professional. yeah yeah (laughs)
0: You celebrate like what did it feel like when you had that yeah. money in in the bank we never really have,
1: have we you know what by the time the money lands you're, you're just, just over it you've <laughs> already spent it yeah. to be honest. So it doesn't have the sweet relief that you would imagine yeah. unfortunately it's quite it's often quite a painful process It yeah. takes much longer and the final stages normally take the longest mm. they like just the herding of the cats together and yeah, sign, sign the and transfer yeah, yeah. And, it's not a particularly enjoyable process, but does get easier the more rounds that you do, and and the more people look at your kind of cap table and your investors, and the more they follow on, the more kind of investment is all about people follow people, yeah, and if yeah. you've got great investors that you know show support for the business, it's much easier to then recruit more. Yeah, Whereas as a pre pre launch, you know unknown brand, more challenging.
0: Yeah. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. You, you mentioned that obviously once the products are actually on the shelf that's when the hard work begins. Let's talk challenges because that's the bit that I'm always most interested in. What have you found to be the hardest part of this process so far? And how have those challenges evolved from like day one to where you are now? I would say
1: a challenge that we
0: constantly face is supply
1: and demand. Mm-hmm. Managing that, so having too much of, you know, products that people don't want and then not enough of the ones that they do and that is I don't think a, a problem that ever really goes away. You know, we speak to much larger companies, and supply and balancing supply and demand is is really really challenging because the, the nature of beauty is things can catch fire and pick up so quickly. Un, you know, without you being able to really forecast for that, and there are just minimum times for getting products you know produced and, and on shelf. So that I think that's been a constant struggle for us, and obviously not having any sort of background in beauty, like being able to forecast for stock and. And being able to manage that is quite challenging. And then, in terms of kind of being out in the wild, I would say that that's where you start to lose a little bit of control. So, therefore, it's not, you don't always know what to do. It's like, you know, the products look great, they're on shelf, we're kind of building brand awareness, everyone loves the brand. And then it's like, and it's not selling. And you don't, you don't, you can't really find out why. And it's just literally standing there speaking to customers saying, why aren't you picking this up?
0: Or why yeah, aren't you yeah. buying it? Just, just buy it. So, <laughs> it's,
1: you know it's great to have support from retailers and we've always been fortunate being able to play that game quite well mm. coming from sales you know it's i mean hr
0: sephora they're like massive yeah. massive names yeah they're,
1: they're great and they're brand builders and they give us you know huge amounts of credibility as a young brand but yeah it's not easy it's not easy online how to you, how do people even know where i ASOS, you know, yeah. in store, so much competition, so much noise, how does someone gravitate towards us versus, you know, some of the other great brands that are literally positioned around us, mm. so it's, it's a bit of a kind of like science and art at the same time, mm. um, and something that we're definitely still figuring out.
0: Mm. And do you try and like kind of detach yourself from it, or do you take it personally? Do you know what I mean, if products aren't selling, you put everything into them? But you kind of have to
2: learn not to take it personally, yeah, that is challenging, but... I think when things are going wrong, if we make mistakes, like what we've learned, I think one of the most valuable things you can do if you're starting a business is learn how to learn from your mistakes Mm. and, yeah, try not to take things personally, actually think, okay, this is a great chance for us to, you know, understand more around what our consumer really wants by having a look at what they're not buying of ours, you know, or understanding where she is or how relevant our brand is to her. So I think, yeah, we... I don't know, we get rejections like left, right and centre the whole time, you know, whether that be in the form of a, a product being a slow mover or a retailer saying no to us or an investor like pulling out at the last minute, you know, it, mm. it, it happens daily. Yeah. Um, you have to be resilient and you have to be able to pick yourself up and shake yourself off and, and move on and most importantly think, okay, what can I take from that? You yeah, know, yeah. and that's, that is a hard skill to refine and tweak. We were already poised for that because again yeah. going back to sales like awful lot of rejection in sales yeah, yeah you, yeah. Know, you get, and it's a numbers game I think cells. that's why people hate it so much if you're yeah. not used to it it's yeah.
0: because it is like it kind of you have know, to speak to hundred to get yeah, one yeah exactly. you know, that's the hard part yeah and um, what about you your challenges like biggest things I mean yeah
2: very similar we are really ambitious as well so I think like we're constantly like this isn't big enough this isn't selling fast enough you know this isn't moving fast enough so like trying to focus on the now and and not like keep looking forward and keep like wishing away the present as it were
0: it's so true I read something about that like that you know because I'm like that I kind of constantly thinking gosh when I get to that point then it's gonna be great, but you get to that point and then you're like, okay, you're you're already on to yeah. the next thing and you don't you don't yeah. stop to take that in. You don't even
2: realise that you've got to it. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we'll yeah, like when you said do you celebrate, you know, fundraising is a really good example of that. Like we've never really stopped to celebrate. Like maybe more, like one Tuesday we were like, oh we should go for lunch because we've literally raised two and a half million pounds <laughs> like, and then we were like oh actually no I've like, got a meeting <laughs> like, we're not like we're not very good at like stopping and taking stock and thinking like oh my goodness we've really come a long way in the time and then you know building a business as again our experience we we weren't team managers we weren't team builders we've no experience in HR and that is a huge challenge yeah. building out A team of people that feel as passionately as you do about what we're trying to achieve as a brand, who are willing to work hard, how do you find them, how do you assess people through the interview process, that's been a real challenge for us, and then how do you keep them, you know, luckily for us our retention rate is pretty low pretty high. Yeah. So yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm <not> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had two, because we're quite small, we haven't had like a huge amount of issues with retention, yeah. but as you grow, that does become more important. To,
0: to Hannah? That yes. I was to you. Yeah, yeah, she was saying that you've just got, what, four new people quite recently. Yeah. But like, I, and she was saying it's everyone feels really settled at the moment, like it's, it's good, but... Well, that's it's good that, to hear. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> no it's so true like I think out of everyone I've spoken to there's like managing a team Um, especially when it's your baby that you're kind of trusting them with that is a tough tough one
2: it's challenging as well to know like at the moment we're going through hiring some slightly more senior members and it's really difficult to know at what stage your business is you know like how many staff you should have and yeah, how senior they should be and how much you should be paying them and all of that. Like it's difficult to know kind of benchmarks and you may compare yourself to another startup, but actually, you know, for us, for example, we, we're quite an interesting business because we're not only a product business, but we're kind of a content business mm-hmm. as well, because we've got Clean Beauty insiders, we've got a lot to say and we're also trying to be a sustainable business. So we've now got a sustainability manager and that's her job. You know, she looks after just that. If you looked at a different skincare brand you know maybe they'd be running leaner than us but they they're not trying to kind of produce content at the speed that we are yeah. or operate sustainably in the way that we are so that can be quite difficult because sometimes we're like oh my god the team's massive <laughs> but actually you know it's it's all needed everybody's at capacity and, and kind of working the their hard end.
0: Make sure that you're both looking after yourself throughout all of this, given the growth that you're going through and the pressure on your shoulders. With you've raised two and a half million, it's quite a lot, like, sort of people to answer to all of that. I'm like, I don't want to, you know, but um, you know, yeah, how, how do you on a day to day basis make sure that you're okay? Mm. I mean,
1: we probably don't take good enough care of ourselves. I mean, I just think the obvious things like. Taking time out, spending time with friends and family, trying not to think about work, exercising—you know—I think all of those things play a massive part in maintaining, you know, your wellness and keeping your stress levels down. Mm. But I don't think that there's anything like massively conscious that we do. I think we're fairly healthy, yeah. luckily as well. I think I was thinking the other day—you know—if one of us, you know, you meet some people that just can't seem to get on top of their immunity and they're quite constantly ill like we're actually quite robust like we do tons of traveling um you know we work long hours high pressure a lot of stress we rarely get ill which i think is is a testament to our durability as well
2: yeah Yeah. but i think exercise is like a yes definitely we eat well as well like we're both veggies like we yeah, we're we're pretty balanced, I think, like across like a, a lot of our lives. Mm. But yeah, we, we like it when we're traveling, for example, like we're not like dining out on like you know, pizza every night. We'll yeah. be the ones that are like seeking out the Buddha bowls yeah. in the <laughs> in the local like, <laughs> vegan restaurant or whatever. So I think that kind of helps. How much
0: travelling are you talking?
2: Yeah, it's quite a lot at the moment because we found that as founders, you know, at the moment, we're the best people to sell the brand. So whether it be launching into Sephora or going to pitch to like a big retailer, we're trying to balance that at the moment with sustainability, obviously, oh, yeah. um, really, really aware of our carbon footprint with that. But that that's a kind of like tricky one for us because ultimately we want to be a global brand, which in itself like a global sustainable brand. Like, is that a juxtaposition? Potentially, yes. But in our eyes, if we can be introducing better practices to the entire world when it comes to beauty, Mm. then, you know, we're doing better than just continuing on with the way things are. And I also
0: think, like, there's nothing wrong with, you can can be both. What's that amazing quote that goes around where it's like, you can be vegan but homophobic, and you can do this but be this person? It's like you know if you're going global but you're still doing it in a sustainable way then you're allowed to catch a plane in my opinion (laughs) yeah we obviously offset everything as well
2: um and we'll try and do it in like a mindful way like if we go somewhere we are crowned our schedule is like absolutely back to back because it's like we're not just yeah we're we're not doing this lightly like we need to make sure we then go and spread our message to as many people as possible when we're in like New York or whatever so
0: yeah and very quickly like in terms of your relationship together your relationship with friends and family how has it evolved throughout this whole process and have you seen any relationships evolve for the better or worse as you've got more successful and the company's taken off
2: yeah
1: I think we're really lucky in that friends and family are hugely supportive of us. I mean, Elsie just got married, and I I just find that your dress was insane, and <laughs> you know, um, and so you, you know it? everyone came up to me like, "Oh my god, so supportive, amazing what you guys are doing." Like, I think people really rally behind people trying to do something Mm. and be successful so i think we've been really lucky in that you know we're both married but our partners are hugely supportive of us and family and and that feels great as well like you know having that backing and and doing it for not just yourself but people that can benefit around you as well which is great i mean it's not easy juggling a big business and and friends and you know relationships and all that but again i think if you just if you don't overthink it as you um said and you just allocate time prioritize um and the time that you are away from the business is really quality time you know we haven't run into massive issues it definitely helps that there's two of us so for example holidays as a sole founder i mean i can't even imagine how you would go away because you know even when i'm on a holiday like the temptation just to dive in and just check is like oh it's you're just itching to do it so having you know another founder there mm, and do you do you check yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah try try not to but holidays for us are much easier because. You know the other
0: one can manage it yeah so, and what about your relationship together as it's got busier yeah i think
2: our like our relationship is good it's strong you know we we know each other really well and actually like the longer the business goes on the more we get to know each other and the way each other works so i think like and also the more emphasis is on like you know if we're not getting along then things are gonna be bloody heart so <laughs> <And laughs> I guess with like, a small team
0: they like, no. yeah, yeah
2: exactly That's yeah true. they would definitely pick up on any tensions and then obviously we're like travelling a lot as we said like we're like sharing rooms all the time it yeah. would be very challenging if we didn't get on yeah. so yeah luckily we've we're very like-minded and yeah it's great and and we both always say like there's just no way the business would exist without the other one yeah and also no way either of us would have even gone into this Mm. as a sole founder
0: what have you learned like what's the the biggest thing you've learned about yourselves throughout this whole process and I'm gonna add one and what's the best business advice you've learned or heard I
2: think like what just becomes more and more key is like communication as we've grown a team any like problems that we've seen within the team or had any yeah just generally like between the two of us and the team like it's always solved with communication Mm -hmm. and you've just got to like be confident in being happy to communicate and encourage your team to do that as well and not let things you know openly say something not let things kind of fester because with a business like ours the nature of our business moves very very quickly so we need people to be in the mindset of like constantly like learning and moving on learning and moving on and not sat like dwelling on something you know so I think that's just become more and more prevalent as as we've grown and and as we have like a team of people who yeah we kind of trying to keep happy across the board I don't know best business advice I think we've we've kind of like touched on a lot of it in that just like resilience Um, Perseverance and don't take things personally and you've got to just go in it with like you're gonna fail like regularly like daily there will be failures and they're actually great you've just got to learn from them yeah. you know it's it's kind of like as long as you're crystal clear on what your end goal is yeah. like you've just got to take each day like each swing it's like that wiki
0: line thing that you always see on instagram yeah. you know like to get there you've got to go yeah. through the exact. zigzag exactly. no it's so, so true okay rounding up then going forward where do you want this business to be in five ten years time no go five five years time
1: I mean, we're hugely ambitious about the potential of YB because we feel like it's a really relevant product to an audience that really wants more sustainable skincare at an affordable price as well. But I think the urgency that we have around scaling the brand really quickly is, is the times are ticking on our planet as well. And if we can start to knock off... know other brands from the shelves and start to be the leader in sustainable beauty, um, or beauty generally, you know we're just doing our planet and our industry a service there so um, we're you know incredibly ambitious within five years we would definitely want to be the leading sustainable beauty brand, we want to be a household name um, because we're balancing great products with great ethics and I think that is the dream combo and really the fundamental combo you should have Mm -hmm. if you're launching a brand in 2019. Um, So yeah, we, we want to scale quickly and we will continue our funding cycles and we will continue our rapid growth until yeah, we feel like we're a global brand that's, that's well known
0: Love that Anything to add? No? She said it all <laughs> <right>. <laughs> okay, um, I always end with some statements so I'll start you finish. Being my own boss means Not having
1: as much th- fun as you would think
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If it's not quite going to plan my advice would be to Stop, take a breath Move on Love that. If I had to describe myself as a businesswoman, I'd say that I am badass. <laughs> Tenacious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself
2: It's gonna be alright.
0: Little <laughs> <laughs> pat on the back. Yeah brace um, um, yourself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time. yeah yeah just a bit and very lastly um you kind of just said it i want my legacy to be that be yeah, a household name yeah i love that thank you so
2: much thank
0: you thank you for listening to she can she did If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners. Featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all important GTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there.